Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the Mid-Alt that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. If you listen on the Entail app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. Hello, Mid-Alts everywhere. Hi, I'm Emily and I'm absolutely fine, but last night I dreamt that my broadband Wi-Fi connector was not working. That was my dream. Oh my god! And 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 I know. Even and your subconscious is boring. Basically, I am so boring and dull, and and also my Wi-Fi connector is not working in, <laughs> in real life. And I was like, what happened to the really fun, you know, fucking flying dreams, right? <laughs> Which what? no one wanted to hear about either. <laughs> no, by the way, I mean the minute somebody says this is what I, I mean, Emily, it's lovely to meet you. Uh, I'm Claude, by the way. But the minute somebody says, do you know what I dreamt about last night? No, I know. It's already I fall boring. apart. No, but but that is that is interesting. That's what's happened to us all. Wi-Fi is king. We're all in a terrible state. And you're out of control because you're not going to be talking yet. I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine. But as I lay there at four in the morning, wide awake as I am, swimming around in perimenopausal treacle, I started to make mental lists about Christmas. Mental lists that I don't think that I'm going to be able to fulfill. Here's my worry. I really, really, really fucking love Christmas. I don't think I'm going to be able to get it up this year. What, you can't get it up for Christmas? That's that's the concern. You will. I just think... Sorry, I know I'm really not supposed to be speaking yet, but I can't help it. I I really triggered you, what, with dreams and Christmas. It's like, you're like a ping pong ball already. She's so triggered. I think I just better crack on and say, today is better than fine. Usually we start an introduction with a spiel about what they founded or what they starred in. But today we don't need to because it's only Claudia fucking Winkleman. She's written a brilliant book called Quite, which we're going to have to insist that you all read because it will make you laugh and cry and feel better about all the fuck-ups. Not just better, in fact, but celebrated and proud and honoured and seen. Claudia, how the hell are you? Everything is fine. Everything is actually perfectly fine. Hunky-dory, if you like. I know I'm adding words to your sentences. (laughs) But something quite... I'm going to use the word major happened to me yesterday and I didn't sleep because I got into bed as per usual, 10 o'clock, I'm 48. I mean, by the way, I was going to bed at 10 at 28, but I just pretended (laughs) I was being a bit wilder. Anyway, and I had to get up. I got up to enjoy something that happened yesterday until 1.15. So I I never go to bed at 1.15. I haven't been to bed at 1.15 since the 80s, so I'm quite sleepy. But otherwise, everything is fine. But I think, going back to you, I love Christmas more than anything. And I think we're going to be all right. I think we have to accept it's going to be very different. We don't know what family members we can see. And we don't know in what, in what way we can see them. But we're, go- we're still going to have, in some form, Christmas. I tell you how it feels. It feels to me like... Since the end of February, we have been living in the perineum of the year. It's been between the 26th of December and the 2nd of January for eight fucking months. And so I don't know where to summon, you know, the the Christmas spirit from. No, it will come because you have a little human. Mm. And so for the little human, there will be stockings. I've started eating brandy butter on toast for breakfast. (laughs) I can highly recommend That that. That will cheer you up. And it just seeps in. But I think if we're trying to recreate... My family, we have, like, the same traditions. We do exactly the same thing on Christmas. 
and it'll be I don't like change on any level I can tell you what I'll be eating on the 5th of March 2022 and where I'll be sitting but I think we just have to accept it 2020 it's going to be a very different Christmas and it might be sitting in a garden five meters away from the people we love wearing huge puffers eating cheese sandwiches and that's fine or a cheese and onion omelet in fact there you go bring a ding yeah. That's in the book, with even a bit of a recipe. I was surprised, but... I was surprised as well. But I think I put a <laughs> sentence, I was like, look, I don't really know what's going on, but if I don't add this, what is the point of me on any level? <laughs> this book is not, I repeat, not a recipe book. Why did you write this book? Well, okay, so lockdown happened, and there were two things that happened in conjunction on the same day. One, I'm a very, very bad homeschooler. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> oh, Terrible, because I started I'm every lesson now. with joy in my heart and vim. And that is a good idea. And what is the bus stop method? And, and then 20 minutes later, I was like, well, I don't know. I'm going to go and have some mini cheddars. Combined with, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just went over that. Yeah. Didn't I mention it? <laughs> uh, yeah. At one point, he was trying, you know, the teachers are so sweet. We've always known that teachers are amazing. But his teacher was like... I think it'd be really fun. I think maybe let's do a bit of Darwin. Just look up Darwin. And I was like, oh, that is fun. And <laughs> I don't know enough and I can't remember it and blah, blah, blah. And 20 minutes later, I'm shouting, the beagle was a boat, not a dog. And <laughs> so that happened to me. And I also missed, even though I'm always like, oh, work. Mm, I sort of missed working. I missed, I used to write a column forever for... Sunday Times and before that The Independent and I read out loud on the telly and I do a bit of radio and I just I miss that part of my brain I wasn't getting dressed I was griddling butternut squash unbelievably badly you know when you couldn't get the usual I was like oh sardines <laughs> do you know what someone put it very well to me the other day they said that during this time we found ourselves asking so much less of ourselves that we yeah which is lovely reducing to fit the shape not physically reducing obviously but I totally believe in asking less so I I thought, oh, I'll just have a go. I'll just have a go. And then uh, HarperCollins said, yeah, we'll have it. Thanks very much. And then I, I thought maybe I would write something. So first of all, I said to my husband, you're in charge of homeschooling. I'm going upstairs to write something important. <laughs> I said that in an old toweling dressing gown. You know, and you're like, leave me. Um, it's going to be about a woman and choices and a mountain. And then I ended up writing about melted cheese and pirate boots. And nobody's more embarrassed than me. No, it's so brilliant. But it, it, in a way, it is a recipe book because it is a, basically a recipe to how to live well. I, there were so many things in it where I was like, yes, I must do that. The pirate boots, obviously, I mean, you know. I think it's about love, your book. Yeah. Oh. Actually, I think it's about how to love your life, yourself, people. Yeah. How to, and also how to own the fuck ups. I mean, you know. Of course. The, you know, the, the things that you never grow out of that you should have done. Your orange is my boobs. I'm 46 and I don't have a bra that fits. I will be hoiking at least three times in the next 30 minutes. I'm excited and, about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so am I, actually. But, and it, oh, yes, and it just spilled out of me. I didn't think I was going to write 4,000 words about Titian. I'd never put into words how I feel about my 17-year-old leaving home. I mean, I obviously have because I try and hold on to him all the time. It was so beautiful, that. I'm slightly resentful because I, 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 that, I, just, I just finished the book early this morning and that made me cry, like really cry. It's facing the unbearable, that, isn't it, really? How are you feeling about it now? Um, well, the good news is he can't go anywhere. <laughs> I, I mean, in all things, once things are said, you know, of course it's going to be difficult. It's difficult 
for all parents, I think, but it's, I know it's important for him. But I was just, I often, I has to explain to him when he was little, when he was little, when he was like 14, he was like, mum, I'm going to go and stay at uh, Dan's. I'll be like, I don't know, I'll come back tomorrow, I don't know what time. And I was like, oh, why would you go and stay at Dan's? Why doesn't Dan come here? What do you mean? Of course you can sleep in our bed. What shall I cook for you? Oh, it's only midnight. <laughs> Treats. <laughs> I love a play date. You know, I was literally, and he was like, why are you so weird? Uh, he doesn't talk like that, by the way. And um, I said, because when I look at you, and I had to show him, there are pictures of them all over the house. There's a picture of him, you know, he's two, and he's sort of sitting on me all snuggled up like peas in a pot, you know. I said, because I see that. And I know I have to learn, and I have to grow, and you're a brilliant, almost man, but that's what I see. And he was like, oh, okay, I get it. You started young, though. Well, I don't think it, it didn't, Feel. I met him at 26, then we got married. Immediately. <laughs> Fast, yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, we had a conversation about how much he loved potatoes. I was like, I should just probably marry him. We're done. I love yeah. potatoes. I can talk about potatoes till your ears bleed. <laughs> yes, pour the oil. Don't dribble the oil. Don't That's never. one of your tips, isn't it? I don't like If you're doing it, do it. Do you know what I did yesterday? This is why I didn't sleep, because I had to get up. So I'm 48 years old and I do love cooking. I'm not very good, but I love, I love having a go. I made, it's quite dramatic, so I'm just breathing. I made my first ever successful gravy. There you go. Oh. Boof. Bam! Was it for chicken? Yes, it was. Did you start the chicken on an onion? Of course. I didn't realise this. And not only that, I put so much garlic and lemon inside the chicken. I always do that and I sort of mash the garlic on the chicken. You remove that... Mash it all down, add white wine, mustard, then get ready, seatbelts on, a little bit of maple syrup. Oh, shut the front door. Hello. And that is bubbling like a lunatic in a pan. Bubble, 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 reduce, sort of a sticky jus. We ate this. At one point, my 14-year-old was like, guys, should we just get straws? We were beside <laughs> ourselves. There was roast chicken, there was buttered peas, there were little new potatoes. But I got into bed at 10 o'clock knowing there was still gravy downstairs and a bit of chicken that I was going to use today. You know, we've, you know, you have to, my children are obsessed by, I, we never throw anything away. Oh, look, a small wing bone. Sure, I'm not sure if I can get stock out of it. I'll definitely give it a go, Tilda. So, um, uh, and I was going to make them fried rice with chicken or whatever, but I knew there was still gravy. So I get up and eat a whole nother roast chicken supper. Then there's Gorgonzola, which is the king of cheeses. I'm just saying that. People can write in, but, like, basically, don't at me. And, uh, yeah, that was my life. I discovered over lockdown, uh, I've, I, 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 I don't want to be an arse, but I've been, uh, like, uh, making gravy for, you know, some time. Got it. But gravy is the key to a fantastic chicken soup. Is it? Yes, I, I don't know why you're looking when at me. You use, when you, I shouldn't be looking at Emily. I shouldn't because Emily can't cook. But, but when you use your single wing bone to make your stock, whatever, and you do your stock and your celery, and you make the chicken soup, and, you know, I'm a bit dewy, and I need to know that I can make a chicken soup. Um, something, what's missing? What's missing? Oh, yeah, the leftover cup of really fatty gravy poured in at the end. Whoomph, it's got some muscle. Hello. Mm. I'm very happy because I never understood gravy because I don't, I don't, I'm not good at sauces. You know what I mean? Somebody once said, can you just whip up a bechamel? And I was almost sick of myself. A roux. <laughs> a roux. I'm not good with flour, but this gravy doesn't need flour. You don't get involved in that. I don't understand how you made gravy in your newly refurbished tiny, tiny kitchen. So we've now lived here with 
the Diddy fridge. The kitchen's nice, but the kitchen is a bit like where you can see... The kitchen is like a sitting room that just happens to have an oven and a hob in it and some plates laying around. You know, you'll find them under a book or under a newspaper or whatever. That was fine. It's the fridge situation that came... Have you ever stayed... I really like them, a Holiday Inn. I have. Right. So uh, a Holiday Inn has a lovely... Or a Marriott, by the way, has a lovely little minibar. Nothing to disagree with. If you're going... If I go to Manchester and I have to work there or whatever, you take a couple of bags of baby bells, no problemo. That's schnooking in happiness. That's what we've got. You got a minibar? I got a minibar. But there's five of us. <laughs> A really hungry 17-year-old boy. I did actually, I wondered actually, can you not just get a bigger fridge? No, I get, <laughs> I get it, I get it. I, I'm with you, but no. Um, so what we got instead, I thought this would make everybody happy, is I've got a small ice maker, right? Okay. And yeah. I thought, if because there's absolutely no freezer to speak of at all. Four fish fingers, that's it. Three sweet corn kernels, full. Can't, can't close it. So if you ever get ice cream, it's, that is also gravy. You can't get ice cream. So I thought, I'll get a little ice maker, like cocktail, like, ooh, very James Bond. That's going to be great. It's so small. It's the size of this mug. And it makes a beeping noise while it's making ice. Beep, 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 which is, sounds like a smoke alarm, right? So that wakes everybody up. And it just does it randomly. It makes that. Do you know how many ice cubes it makes? About four. Six. Four. <laughs> and not only that, so it takes... All this effort and all this energy. So it's definitely not ethically fine. So it's like... Grinding. Beep, beep, beep. And it makes four tiny pieces of ice that not only that, it'd be fine if it was big, sexy. You know when you've been in a bar and they give you a heavy glass and they have huge dry ice. You know what I mean? So that if you touch it, you're like, my tongue's going to stick to it. I'm drinking a margarita and this is living. No. I would like you to now remove that from your head. These are small <laughs> tubes, if you like, small cil- cylinders with a big <laughs> hole taken out. And it is, it breaks science, this machine. It's wet ice. Do you know what? Those cylinders of ice are my worst. They're my worst. They always taste slightly chlorine They melt in the wrong way. I don't know what the right way is, but I can, I'm with you on this. This is not it's soaking ice. wet ice. I thought that would stop the roasting. As not of the chicken, but of me. I thought, if I just get a Diddy ice maker, everyone will be happy. Yeah. Which I should say that, that, that Claudia writes in her book about it was her turn, 15 years after her husband's turn, yeah. to uh, redesign the falling apart kitchen. Yes. And it was more rugs and sofas than it was ovens and fridges. He's Danish. We have totally different ideas of what a house should look like. We tried to do it together once. Very bad idea. Very bad. <laughs> uh, and it was like... The house was having a breakdown. It was a tiny flat and people come and go. Well, I don't you understand. said in your book, you said it was like our flat was having a fight with itself. It was like having a fight. Because there'd be like a Danish pale wall. He was like, babe, should I just do this wall? It was tiny, by the way. I was like, yeah, go for it. You do that, babe. Off you go. And there'd be a sort of small wooden monkey or just like an oar. Do you know what I mean? It was bleached and better than mine was 700 different castanets from around the world. Floral (laughs) wallpaper, 700 books. Oh, I've got a barometer that I found in Camden Lock for a fiver. Let's put that up. Oh, it doesn't work. Doesn't matter. It looks cool. So uh, we now just, you know, a good relationship, I suppose, knowing what you can do. So it was my turn. And I was like so excited because it had looked like a dentist surgery. It was all pale white. But after 15 years and three kids, 
the cupboards weren't holding on. And, but it had a big fridge. You know what? It was great for 15 years. Three kids, fine. But I tell you what, it did work. It had a big fridge. It had a hob. It had uh, an area for a toaster. Like, it made sense. And then it was my turn, and I just forgot about all of that. So it's got a big chair, palm trees, or not palm <laughs> trees, palms. It's got books. It's got seven interlocking rugs and nowhere really to cook. But I did make coffee <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. But, you know, you, but also you talk about, which we talk about all the time, imperfection. Perfect is for other people and perfect people are not the ones you want to hang out with and get drunk with. And it's, uh, it, I think it's really important that at some point you connect with that and realise that it, it's not just that imperfection is okay. It is preferable. Of course it's preferable. Who have you met? I say, you know, you can go for dinner with somebody and it's absolute... Oh, gosh, you... Ding dong, just in time. I've just made these prawn wontons. Come upstairs <laughs> to our... I mean, I don't think anyone makes prawn wontons, but, I mean, some people... And then come upstairs to our perfect house and I've lit the candle so it doesn't... It's not cloying, but it smells delicious. Here are my children, they're in matching pyjamas, don't hate me. And then uh, <laughs> we'll go downstairs and everyone will have a differing but quite calm view of politics. And out comes a sponge pudding. Those aren't the best nights. They're not. And I'm incredibly grateful to those people for doing all of that. And for some people, it does come incredibly easily, that just gliding. It's not that I think it takes an enormous amount of effort and they're just pretending it's cool. Some people can just do that. I am ramshackle. So come, oh, I just remembered. I haven't put anything in the oven. <laughs> uh, it's dominoes, all right. You know, though, but those are the nights. And I think it's more about imperfection is better I think it's understanding a you don't have to be good at everything so you know if my daughter comes home go mommy I can't I've got a problem with physics or whatever I go okay well let's discuss it but you know you're doing nine subjects you can't don't worry about it so a don't be great at everything and yes and self-acceptance obviously that's the thing you know when you're 46 47 48 you feel between I don't know 110 and 117 but there's a lot in you that's still 12. And so you've got a lovely old Venn diagram and it's all right for those things to coexist because they are going to coexist until we die. Yes, of course. And it, that, but that's the brilliant thing about being old. I love getting older. And my face is falling off, but that's all right. The fringe will just get longer um, <laughs> until it's down. But, but the amazing thing about getting older is, A, you know what you like doing, so don't say yes to stuff you don't want to do. And... And it's okay, I'm never going to be, I don't know, well, there's loads of things I'm not going to be able to be any good at. You've worked out what you like. My 20s were a bit angsty, where I was like, oh, I should, probably should do that. Oh, I should, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, well, I'll do Zumba, then I'll meet you at, yeah, all right, yeah, I'll learn Spanish with you. And then let's, I mean, it wasn't quite like this, I'm sorry, I've never done either of those things. But you know when you feel like you have to say yes. I love the idea of our 20s being full of, like, improving ourselves as no, opposed what, to falling out of bars. No, what my 20s were, were... Well, I was actually just sort of covered in shame. Yeah. Well, so I went this way and that way. And yes, you want to do that. And I, and I should be more like this. And it doesn't matter what I really am because I should be more of this and less of this. Yeah. I wouldn't go back there for, for anything. No, me neither. This is better. It's much, much more fun. Laughter is Girlfriends. more intense. Girlfriends. So you now have your absolute blocks and they're everything to me. And... My 20s, I didn't like because I just, I was pretending I liked nightclubs, loud noise, being too busy. 
I was just waiting to finally go. I mean, I asked for a crochet set for my 21st. It's a secret for my parents. <laughs> I mean, I've just been waiting to be this age. Um, are you doing lockdown needlepoint? No, I'm not doing needlepoint, but I would have done. I want to yes. learn knitting. Can I tell you that Annabelle has a head torch? Stop mm. it. Well, yes, instead of reading glasses. So I'm trying to do a needlepoint thing and uh, that someone gave me for my birthday, but you can't see it unless you're in full glare of sunlight. It's November. So, um, so yeah, so I bought like a gynecologist slash miner's head torch. I think that's super cool. It's and so I, cool. And I completely own that. I don't care. And I'll do it in public. Of course. Yeah. In front of the telly. You can't, you can't look at the telly when you're watching it with other people because you will, you will, you know, you'll, you'll blind them all with the glare of the torch on the screen. But by the way, speaking of learning to do new things, I think you learn a lot from telly. You do, again, I think you wrote about this in your book. Don't be ashamed of watching telly. No. How else are you going to learn about the, you know, the, the twilight zone in the ocean? Yes. Or the Sahara Desert? Yeah, or all the leopards that are living in Mumbai. Or systemic racism in yeah. America. Well, that yeah. too. You need it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're, you're on the telly and Strictly never gets boring. No, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. I mean, number one, it is a show predominantly run by women who are brilliant women. Brilliant, funny, fast, breakneck speed, decision-making, empowering women. The team are amazing. We really laugh. And because it's a new cast every year, you don't know what's going to happen. Who knew that Bill could dance like that? Who? Bill Bailey. I mean, it's the most exciting thing. And I love Tess. Yeah, you're not, you're not faking it with Tess, are you? No, she is a brilliant... Bri- you would love her. She's super smart. She knows what's important. She's classic. She's, she's, she's the real deal. Also, the thing about Strictly is, as you say about Bill Bailey, you get strange and unexpected lust surges in probably <laughs> sexy people. So you get some, you know, some sort of beefy ex, you know, triathlete on who's wearing one of those disconcerting net long sleeve T-shirts. <laughs> and you think, I should, I should want to give that a go. But actually, hello, Bill Bailey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that about getting old as well. You can want to sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. And the other thing is life telly is, is always exciting. So I wouldn't mind if it was, you know, when I get fired and they say, look, you can do a show about, I don't know, if it was Strictly Come Avocado Slicing. <laughs> but that 54321 is really, whew, that adrenaline, that's, it's terrifying, but also I love it. And imposter syndrome, has that gone yet? No. No, I hope it doesn't ever. I mean, we've all met people who think, do you know what? I was born to do this. This is, guys, step aside. I'll take this. Should I talk? I mean, basically, we're talking about people who are on The Apprentice, right? But it's, it's, uh, yeah, if I speak first in the meeting, I mean, I don't think imposter syndrome, when it is crippling, of course, if people have it really badly, then that's something else and that's horrible. But a little bit of why me in everything, I think is healthy. You know, if you're lucky, you have to know that you're lucky. Yes, in a way, imposter syndrome is just another way of saying thank you. And also, it keeps you on your toes. And that's why people don't get bored. Because they go, I have to do this one better. Or not necessarily better, I just have to do this. I think it's important. So you're the, as you say, the small orange person with the black smudgy eyes. So, um... Uh, and I think I think I've seen before that is your Instagram or your Twitter photo, your Instagram photograph is you at that party where you had the really really smudgy yeah. eyes. Now, when that when that photograph was everywhere of you with the really really smudgy eyes, conjunctivitis. I make up all down my face. Going to the GQ <laughs> Awards, which by the way is by far 
the most glamorous event I have ever been to in my life. You know, it's just thick and fast, A-stars. You know, it's, oh, there's Rita Ora, there's Kylie Minogue. Oh, don't mind, here's Beyonce. Oh, don't, here's, it's endless. And there's me, some nothing. Loser, turn up. I make up all over my face. But yeah, it was, it was bad. But you have to own all of that. I have no problem with that. <laughs> Did it feel bad? No. I mean, my, I was a bit stingy. <laughs> But no, I went off, had a laugh, um, went home. And then the next day, yeah, the text started coming in thick and fast, just going, Claude, I didn't even wait. I didn't even, you know, when you turn up at these things, you can stand for photos and you're like that. I didn't, I just sort of ran in like, I look disgusting, bye. Um, (laughs) uh, But you, but I don't know how to say this without sounding like a, I don't, it's not like I, don't care what I look like. Of course, I want to look pleasant, but it's not my shiz. It's not my thing. No, it's the shell, isn't it? Yeah. So, what, you know, my mum brought us up genuinely in a house without mirrors because she was like, this, this, whatever this is, is the least interesting thing about you. Don't ever rely on any of that. So, um, so I think I tweeted something about, oh, interesting. Or, so, you know, if you own it, it's fine. And that's why it's my Instagram photo. Because that happened. If you own things in life, it's much harder to be bullied, isn't it? Yeah. Well, you can't. You can't uh, shame somebody who refuses to be shamed. I mean, on that. If I ever hurt somebody's feelings, if I ever did something bad, I'd be absolutely mortified and I would fix it. If my kids ever did anything, you know, I'll own all of that. That's why you say, don't you, that guilt can be useful. Because guilt can remind you you've been a bit of an arsehole. Don't do that again. Put it right. Guilt is important. Uh, You have to worry about... Everybody else, stop worrying about the self. Don't worry about how am I. Just no, worry about everyone as well. else. I really like that. That kind of like, well, if you feel bad about something, then you've probably done something a bit bad. And I think that you know that's the, the flip side of um, of the way we're all trying to feel like, oh, I'm not good enough and everything. At the same time, you're, you're right. You need to own it. You need to actually say. I'm sorry, I've been a bit of a dick. Well, it happens by degrees, doesn't it? Either you've been a bit of a dick and you need to, you need to correct it or do better, or you need to urgently get some therapy or medication because you're genuinely in trouble. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And I'm just talking about, yeah, it's sort of taking responsibility. And hopefully if you are in trouble, the people around you will go, you're not being totally you. You look a bit sad or you're being a bit snappy. or That's one of the reasons why you need those girlfriends because you need someone with some perspective to keep an eye on you. Yeah, and also who knows my girlfriends know me better than I know myself. I will ask them. I'll go, Vix, why do I... And she'll be like, well, of course, Claude. Don't you remember when you were 24 and this almost exact thing? No, I don't. <laughs> no recollection at all. That's why I... And the you. other thing that's brilliant about uh, really good girlfriends is they hold a lot of your anger for you. Yeah. yeah. So if someone has been has, has slighted you or a man has been cruel to you or a woman has been mean to you, you can... If, if someone else will, will be the vessel for the fury and resentment, you can move on and be breezy and, ser- uh, and serene. That's true. I do that all the time with you because you're allowed to be absolutely furious with the person who hurt my feelings and I'm allowed to be magnificent about it. Yeah. Send them flowers. But I feel fine about it, exactly. And, and, and vice versa. It's a, it's a great, it, great release. Yeah, yeah, it's a brilliant. The, the baton of fury we yeah. can pass on. And were you nervous about, about putting this book out there? Because it's quite personal, this book. I mean, it's all about... It's very, very opinionated. It's about what you think. It's, it's how you make your world work and, and just sort of what you think, whether it's about, you know, winter is the only season worth, you know, getting dressed for 
or the cheese and onion omelette. So did you think, oh my God, people might think that I'm... Oh, I was horrified because I don't like really actually doing anything by myself. So (laughs) I would never do... I mean, you can't anyway, but I... What I love about Strictly is Tess is my leader. She's my anchor. She's in charge. Oh, I don't want any of it. I'm not interested. Everything I do, I will do with somebody. So I was nervous. I thought the opinion stuff, because so much of it is a caricature. You know, I write 2,000 words about Jackie Collins, and if you actually wear leopard print, you're going to have a bit more power. I don't actually mean that. (laughs) Do you know I mean? I thought she was amazing, but do I think the answer to being... A bit stronger is uh, a leopard print beret. No, uh, and a beret is not the answer to anything, by the way. Um, and so I thought when I left, uh, I used to write for Sunday Times Style and I still get messages about it. So I thought if they're there, maybe they'll accept this as some columns. And sometimes I do talk about nurses and sometimes I do talk about teachers and sometimes or about Jake leaving and then that's me Oh, not me, but, you know, that's a bit... But then I also wrote 7,000 words about how I don't like summer. <laughs> but there are halfway houses between nurses, which also made me cry. Yeah, and um, really, maybe. And those are the when you write about... I really like the stuff about stay with him if... Oh, yeah. Leave him if. Yeah. Leave him if was my... Fe- which I literally sat with my girls. I'd done some, and then one of them had a brilliant one, which was... Uh, if he says he's going to babysit the children. I was like, of course, because we had a friend who was like, you go out, I'll babysit. Dude, you're not babysitting. These are your children. I'm not babysitting. You know, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, you go to that. If you've, got to, if you've got to see the boys, that's fine, I'll babysit. That's not how it works. And if he doesn't have the wherewithal to just organise a taxi, doesn't matter who pays for the taxi, but just to somehow make sure that you both get yourself to the next place in the rain, then... That was my first one. You just want them to be able to get you back to theirs, back to yours, or drop you home. It's not about payment. I don't care if it's a bus, but just to have some vim. For me, uh, if they believe in star signs, it's a no. It's just a <laughs> just no. stop going halves. I'll pay, but just stop dividing the bill. Don't yeah, no, there was it. some. It's probably useful, your book, you know? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because it, it, in the centre of it radiating, and it can happen when you get to 48 stroke 110 and you have a point of view, is wisdom. It's, yeah. There's genuine wisdom. No, don't, let's not exaggerate. But you're no, very no, no, sweet. No, 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 there is. No, I agree. I would, yeah, I would say that about us as yeah, well as exactly. I'd say that about all our great girlfriends. Yeah, yeah. It's different from experience and it's different from knowledge. I know it makes us sound like the wild old women who live on the heath, which sometimes we do. But that's Maybe fine. Hubble bubble. Oh, yes, that's fine. But there is there is wisdom in it. Um, and so, you know, you chose to share yours. It was good for me in lockdown. I've never done anything. Uh, I could not write a book, but I could do 70,000 words in different set in columns. And what I like doing, I don't know how you guys work, but I would work on sort of four at the same time. And then I'd go in and have a little edit. And then I gave it to HarperCollins with a big note going... I don't mind if you change your mind because I promised you an important tome about a woman and decision-making and a mountain. And instead, I don't even know what to say. This, this spilled out of me and I, I'm, I'm mortified. So you can change your mind. And they said, no, we'll go with it. And then the extraordinary Johnny Yeo said, yeah, I'll do you for the cover. So I was like, oh, okay, brilliant. 
you are, you know, we're always saying, well, you know, you don't have to um, expect to be your most creative or productive self during a pandemic. You know, we're not the people who learned a language or um, learned to make perfect sourdough or wrote a book. You are. You've no. written a book and you've learned to make gravy. Well, <laughs> the gravy. Gold star. By the way, the gravy is a thing. I, shall I tell you what I loved about HarperCollins or HQ, which is a subsection of them? They were amazing and they said, you've got two choices. We're interested in this from you. We are, we are interested in what you would write down. And you can give it in uh, 12 months or you can have, I think it was three months. And they said, which do you, knowing you, which works? And I like a deadline. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. you know what I mean? I put this jumper on two minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, if you had been given 12 months, you still would have written it in eight weeks, just latterly, the last eight weeks. <laughs> the right? last, which I wouldn't have but wanted. But the first, the first 10 months would have been really, really stressful and so, panicky. Yes, because I don't like the feeling of homework. That's possibly why I like live TV. It just hangs over you. So when somebody said, well, how often did you write? Or the, how, what did the... I said, I thought about the book for or whatever, or the columns, or I don't know what a book feels like, an exaggeration, for 24 hours a day, I wrote for maybe one. So it was always, there was this, I've got to go and do it. And I, you know, we're all, I don't mean uh, this in a weird way, but we're all probably quite obedient when it comes to work. You know, that's why we work. Like, yeah, of course, this is the deadline. This starts at 10am, I turn up. Like, you do that. So I just felt guilty towards them. So that propelled me. But I, but I think that's it, isn't it? Is that, is that at this point, when you're 48 slash 110, quite a lot of life is about not letting other people down. Yeah, I just yeah. like that. Yeah. A friend of one of my best friends, oh, well, she'd read this somewhere and she said, you know what, at now, all we really have to do, I mean, there's lots of things we have to do, worry about others, look after people, um, all of those things that are important, but you, you have to show up. And I don't mean maybe physically, but whether it's the charity that you care about, whether it's your local food bank, whether it's your kids feeling a bit wobbly, whether, whatever it is, your girlfriend going, actually, do you know what? Can you not call me back? I need to discuss this with you now. You show up. That's our job. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. You've got to just get yourself into the room. Yeah. Thank you for being in our room. I can't believe you've been in our it. room. I we're not Thank you for having me. We're not allowed. Um, and, uh, and, and buy the book, because if you like the way she talks, you're going to like the way she writes, and we like everything about her. Yeah. So, Claudia Wilkerman, you're an absolute sensation. Thank you so you're much. You're so sweet. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. having me. If you were here, you know I'd make you try. Gravy. The gravy. Boom. The gravy. I've got litres of it. <laughs> oh, have well, you? Okay, that's it. Product line. Yes. Winkleman's gravy. Wonder. <laughs> You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. And we'll just leave you with this thought. If you're too open-minded, your brain will fall out. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.